It's time for season two of the Remoter Podcast. I'm your host, Josephine. As a continuation from season one with Alex and Andreas, I had the opportunity to interview some remote work leaders, ranging from companies, consultants, advocates, and more, to add to Remoter's stash of free resources and human-centered stories, enriching our educational platform about remote work. This podcast is sponsored by Tori, a new kind of professional network that automatically connects talent with opportunity. Founded by Alexander Tori Negra, our goal is to make work fulfilling for everyone. Find the job of your dreams by visiting Tori.co. That's T-O-R-R-E dot C-O. A real minimal Zen dude. That's the first impression I had of Tobias when I walked into his house. I saw the books lined up against the shelves on his wall, and he offered me both lemon water and green tea upon arrival. I think Tobias' story goes against the grain of what you'd normally expect as growth for a remote company. And I think his reasonings why stem from his personal beliefs of being in tune with what his team needs. Welcome to another episode of the Remoter Podcast. Josephine here again, and I am in Stuttgart. It's like 12 degrees Celsius. And today I am with Tobias from Four Nova. Right now we're sitting in his dining room. He's got these four really cool posters of cities in the States. And why these posters? <laughs> uh, good question. I can't answer why those cities, but I like the colors. And I noticed it's going from the west to the east. Is it the same artist? It's got to be, right? I think so. I okay. think so. Yes. Do you know who the artist is? Oh, no. Okay. There was a couple of years ago, there was a, a real run on these artsy little posters and a lot of them popped up and I just grabbed four of them. So there's San Francisco, Grand Canyon National Park. Chicago and New York. I know Grand Canyon National Park isn't a city. It's just <laughs> a national park. Have you been to any of these places? I have been to all of them except for Chicago. That's still on the list. Okay. Yes. I love Chicago. I lived there for a summer. And oh. so my my perception is completely skewed because I'm like, oh, great. Summer and Chicago's are great. But then I avoid the winters <laughs> yeah. like the plague. Notorious winters in Chicago, I guess. Yeah. It's as bad, I think it's as bad as Toronto, which I also avoid, like the plague. So, <laughs> but one day, I hope I've never been to the national park, but I hope to go one day. Anyways, enough talk about these posters that the listeners can't see. Tobias, could you please uh, introduce yourselves for the listeners? Yes, sure. My full name is Tobias Günther, German name. I'm a CEO of Fornova Software GmbH in based in Germany, but spread all over the world. Fornova is the company behind currently one major product, and that is Tower. And Tower is a Git client for Mac and Windows. So Git client essentially is a tool that helps developers work more easily with the Git version control system. This actually touches lives of developers all around the world, a lot of them in the U.S. So a little more than half of our users are from the U.S. And the rest is all over the world in companies big and small from Apple, Google, and Microsoft to uh, agencies and individual developers. So for somebody who doesn't speak your language like <laughs> me, is your product more so the type that is 
like people are aware that they're using it, but don't think about that much? Or is your product more of the type where people are like hyper aware that, okay, I am using Tower to do ABC? Yeah, it's, it's probably the latter, actually. Most people today or most developers today will use Git as their version control system. It's been very, very popular in the last couple of years, and it's the de facto standard, you could say. And there's a couple of ways to use this system. One way is to use it via the command line, which means black window, white uh, white letters, and a, a lot of abstract typing. Oh, like the terminal? Yes, exactly. exactly. It's like the, the hackers in the movie. And yeah, like, exactly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Exactly. Exactly like that. So this is, this is, of course, popular amongst developers, but it doesn't always lend itself to be the most productive way to use Git and version control. So we're an alternative or Tower is an alternative to make it more visual, to make it more easy oh, okay. and to make you in the end more productive and, and help you avoid errors. That's the main thing for people. Yeah. So how did this idea even come about? Were you struggling with your productivity and you were like, I want to look at something more visually pleasing to do this work? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a that's a good description actually. So when we scroll all the way back, um, I started a web agency sixteen years ago already, and we've always been quite a a technical agency back then. So we started using Git. These were early days for Git, um, and I'm not the most technical person in the world. So I have a a, a background, but I'm not a hundred percent technical. We always knew we wanted to create a product, not just um, design and, and technical uh, client work, but also a product. And this seemed like the perfect occasion, actually. So we created the first or one of the first graphical user interfaces for Git back then. Did you ever see yourself where you are today, which is remote? Hmm. No, definitely not. This was more of an accident, to, to be honest. A good one, I would say today, mm -hmm. a very fortunate one, but we hadn't planned that. One person in the Berlin office, my co-founder Julian there, he wanted to go on, a, on, on traveling the world for half a, a year. Okay. It didn't make sense to keep the Berlin office because it was just one or two people there. So, mm -hmm. it, And then in Stuttgart, something similar happened. The other co-founder I have, Alex, our CTO, we moved apart in terms of geography. We wanted to keep the company together, of course. And that meant going remote. Like a lot of companies, actually, that I talked with, it's out of necessity. You stumbled upon it. So you guys have been transitioned for how many years now? Um, I think we made the switch in 2015. So okay. we've been fully remote uh, around five years, I would say. A reason why um, I think your story is very interesting is because usually the natural path for people I've talked to is to scale and grow. But what I've noticed is that you guys, you have chosen to stay smaller with a smaller team. And I was wondering what your thought process was for that. So it's it's a couple of things, actually. So one thing is we are bootstrapped. And that's a, a driving force for us because it, it allows us to have the maximum amount of freedom, actually, in our decisions. We are not having any VC breathing down our necks. And that comes with a price, I would say. Of course. And, and the price being you can't just grow in any direction you want to grow. The second aspect, we want to actually stay as small as possible to do the job we want to do and need to do because we want to be close with the people we work with. And if you're 100 people, that's not possible anymore. I don't say that 
culture is not possible in such a scenario. That's that's a different thing. But it's much, much harder and it's a different game and it's a different way to work with people. And we like to know them as well as possible. So we're actually trying to stay as small as possible and hire very, very slowly. Got it. And what are some things that you are doing as the leader of your team to build these relationships? I think one of the biggest things is that we have peer one-on-ones. Every other week, uh, we reserve half an hour on the calendar and we mix and match people, two people on the team. And they have a, a conversation for half an hour and in a very specific format. So there's 10 minutes where uh, person A goes and talks while person B is just listening, not interrupting, not asking questions, just listening. This is swapped for the second 10 minutes. And then in a third 10 minutes, it's an open conversation. It's not easy to do, right? It is uh, quite taxing on people, but it... it would you dividends. say taxing because of the way it's structured? Yes, okay. yes, yes. It's it's meant to be a, a conversation exercise, actually. Exercise. Yeah. Where have you? Yeah. Where did you pick that up from? Uh, I am with uh, another ten percent of my life. I'm a meditation teacher. I feel like you'd meditate. You look like someone who'd meditate. <laughs> However, everybody's trying to meditate nowadays. So <laughs> I don't know if there's a look to it. I mean, I'm trying to meditate as well, but okay. Because like, yeah, that that's something I was wondering. Yes, a lot of um, companies have tried to do these donut chats or you're trying to like mm-hmm. integrate an app and do something. But another side of that is like, what if it is too forced? Mm-hmm. Have you gotten feedback about anything like that, about how it feels like it's too much of a structure? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're in debate about that, actually. Okay. So we're uh, very much in sync that um, having deep conversations, not just chit-chat with a, a random group of people, but really with one other person face-to-face is really bringing a lot of value. The format is is debatable and probably also interchangeable to some extent, but you need to make sure that in the little time you have, especially remotely, you make the most of it. Mm-hmm. And that's not an easy task. And I think that's that's where that structure comes in pretty nicely. I want to know what remote work is to you guys, but as a collective. I think remote work is is not a, a coincidence for us by now. And it's not something that um, people would be willing to give up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of people say it's just like you, you taste this life and it's hard to turn back. And I mean, clearly you've made that change in mindset mm-hmm. um, five years ago. Can you tell us a little bit about the the failures and the lessons learned while you guys were in transition. Mm-hmm. Holding on to people too strongly or wanting to control is definitely one thing I am guilty of or was guilty of. What do you mean by wanting to control? Mm. With remote, you have to trust more. You have to be more relaxed mm-hmm. on when people do work and don't work, how they work, and when they're available and when not. And this is something that that I had to learn also because I was used to seeing people coming in at nine, leaving at five or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that was my way of knowing if people did their work or not, which of course is a a bad way of looking at things, but that's what I was used to do. Um, So this was definitely one area where I had to learn. Another is, is the whole area of communication, let's say remote management. Um, because that works a lot different 
than, than it does in a co-located environment. Touching on communications, mm -hmm. what were some of the things that you, as the leader, had to switch your mindset on? Mm. So one thing we started, I guess, around the time when we made the switch to remote was making proper one-on-ones, management one-on-ones. This is nothing that is exclusive to remote teams, of course. But as a small company, I don't, or I don't see many small companies that do proper one-on-ones, meaning not about status. It's not about the status report with your, uh, with your team, but it's more about um, stepping back and looking at the bigger picture. How are people, do they get that remote thing? Can they work productively? Are they happy? Um, also some kind of a mind shift or a shift in mindset. Um, so this was one thing that really helped in keeping the team together and understanding what, what happened in the team, especially in a remote setup. Because if you are a small team um, and you're co-located, you wouldn't have to have one-on-ones because you just bump into people, you have lunch with them, you meet them at the water cooler. So you, you stay in some kind of touch with people anyways. Um, but being remote, that doesn't happen. And then you have to think, how can I make this work? And this is something that really helped me um, get a better grip of what's going on and what what's wrong in 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 the culture or in the communication. What were some What were some examples of feedback that people gave you about those one on ones it, during those uh, one on ones? Uh, okay, um, so one thing that came up, um, I think, two or three years ago was the whole area of communication, how we do that in the team, what tools we use, more specifically, that people were feeling stressed. And that's that's an interesting thing to hear from people if you are working remotely. So technically, why would you be stressed? Kind yes, of question? yes. Okay, got it. Yes, which is, of course, not the question I would ask because I understand, but it's it surprised me okay. a little bit because actually you have all the flexibility in the, work, in the world. But, well, we, we identified a couple of things that really weren't ideal for a remote team. Were not ideal. Yes. yes. And what were they? Synchronous communication is one of the biggest problems. Okay. Yeah. So one big example and something we changed one and a half or two years ago uh, was we moved away from Slack. Oh, you moved away from we Slack? We moved away from Slack. Wow. Yeah. Tell me more about this because <laughs> nobody says that. <laughs> yes, I'm aware of that. Very few people do say so. So so Slack is, is everybody knows Slack. It's a, it's a messenger or a chat application. And the thing is, chat mostly is a very synchronous form of communication, meaning I type something yeah. and I expect to get an answer right away almost because I see a green light for you, Josephine, um, and I know you are online, whatever that means. And that's where the problem begins. It's very easy to feel stressed that you have to interrupt your own workflow and answer and help those people. So a couple of things wrong with that, in our opinion, and we switched away from that to uh, um, a tool called Twist. There are a couple of different um, tools by now. Twist is from the people of that make Todoist, mm -hmm. the, the task manager, and they themselves are a big um, uh, advocate of remote work. There are, I think sixty people working all over the world, so they scratched their own itch with that. I think, and what's what Twist does differently is. First of all, they don't have that status indicator. 
there is no green or red or whatever light that indicates if you're there or not. You could set that to away in Slack. Sure, yeah. you could do that, but then it's just not necessary or not useful anymore. And, and Twist did away with that light um, completely. The other thing is that Twist and other um, tools in, in that area have um, also a focus around uh, threads. So there is that chatty thing with people, uh, individuals or groups, but there's also um, a way to to use threads, threaded conversations that have a subject, that have a limited topic, let's say. And that makes it very, very easy to understand, is this topic concerning me or not? So Slack has some kind of threading too. They do have threads. Yeah. You can thread from a message. Yeah, yeah. And our experience was that this doesn't make it much easier. In Twist, you really, you can think of it as your email inbox, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, doesn't mm. that just mirror emails, which is what people mm -hmm. try to actually get away from too? Yeah, that's true. In in some way, that's true. It's It's very close to the way we work with emails. But then again, email has a couple of downsides. That's true. But in the end, it has a huge set of upsides also. And one is it's threaded. So you have to really clear information about what that conversation is. And if it concerns me, if I have to get into that or not, or if it concerns me, is now the right time to do that? In a chat where uh, multiple topics are mixed, it's really, really hard to uh, keep an eye on things. That's when you get back after a week of, of, of travels or a vacation and you have a high unread count in your Slack, you never know what is important and what isn't, what's concerning you and what isn't. And that's those are the things that, that uh, asynchronous chat applications do a lot better. Have people rebutted what you have said? Because I, I can think about things like, you know, if it's important, they would tag you on Slack at mm -hmm. you and you can customize Slack mm -hmm. to work for you, right? Okay. So given those, like, I guess those would be the top rebuttals that I'm thinking of mm -hmm. off the top of my head, just mm -hmm. being like, you know, just mute the channels that you're not in or mm -hmm. things like that and customize the notifications for you. Yeah. Would that like, ha have you guys tried that with Slack? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We have. And it, Brings you part of the way, actually. Okay. Problems are a couple, I would say. The first thing is um, you expect people to make configurations that make it better. And that is really difficult to do for many people. So you would have to document that as a process. Everybody has to uh, uh, tone down Slack in, in that way or another to make it work. And I think that's a that's a bad uh, um uh, basis for using a tool. Um, with other tools like Twist, you already have a sensible default where you can work from. I think the basic model, accepting that it should be more asynchronous than synchronous, is really the, the mind shift that you have to make in a lot of areas. And team chat is a very big area. The other half, maybe, when we don't talk about the tool itself, is the expectations that we have. I would really say this is the other half or maybe the other 60% uh, even. The expectation was unclear for people. So do I have to respond right away because I am online? Do I have to do that? Which means I would have to interrupt my work, right? And, and, and get distracted. And this is the thing that creates stress for people. 
Um, so the other thing we did, apart from switching tools, was to document, to explicitly document what expectations people should have in mm, these situations. Okay. So we really wrote down in our internet, we don't expect you to respond right away. It's okay to open up Twist or email once or twice a day and then respond what messages you have and then go on with your day. We have things like that as well. Like, I think it's like 24 hours and you don't have to respond right away to Slack, but in the next 24 hours, if someone WhatsApps you, then it's more um, urgent. And to that, like, you shouldn't be abusing your WhatsApp privileges. Yeah. But if someone does that, then you know it's maybe a little bit more urgent. So that's, exactly. we've got something like that in place. So I, I totally understand what you mean by like setting the expectations. <laughs> what would you say was the biggest habit habit change that you guys had to go through when switching to asynchronous other than the trust and the expectations? I mm. guess for yourself, what was one thing that you found to be very difficult mm. moving that way? Yeah, I, th I think a couple of things. Um, first, um, learning to, to write. <laughs> okay. learning to write in a way that gives people context most of most importantly so it's it's easy to to say or, or to write in in slack or twist or whatever i have a problem can we talk yes wow this is <laughs> this this can be huge so i'm i'm stressing out probably and knowing that i might get the other person uh, on the line the next day only this can be quite taxing actually so give context what is this thing about and how urgent is it really so really describing what do you want to talk uh, to me about and and when do we have to do that uh, this is something giving context uh, understanding that because it's so easy to to misunderstand in in written communication in, in especially in those short forms that text and and twist and, and slack um, so learning to write was was a big thing. Expectations probably was the biggest thing thing for for all of the team, I guess. Making a switch from away from Skype because we heavily rely on on video meetings. Of course, we want to mm -hmm. see people, and I don't know about Skype these days. It's it's been a while since we moved away, so so I don't want to uh, be too hard on Skype. <laughs> um, but we had. It was pretty tedious, and that improved a lot when we, we moved to Zoom, which oh, I yeah. think many remote teams use nowadays. And I can't stress enough how important it is to have a, a high-quality video call with your colleagues because that's the that's a lifeblood. That's, that's the one communication form where you see and hear people, mm -hmm. and this has to be fluent and, and easy. Otherwise, it's get really tedious. I know. It's just like... Uh, You've got a lot of static. You're not off mute. <laughs> You're still muted. Do you hear me? Hello, Tessa? Yeah. 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 I've, uh, I've gone through some of that. I yeah. mean, where the conversation was just like, hello? Hi? Hello? Can you hear me? Hello? <laughs> Do you want to reconnect again? Uh, so, because yeah. I, want, I wanted to actually talk, segue that into mm -hmm. you as a leader. You had mentioned that 10% of the time you said you're a meditation teacher. Mm -hmm. What else has working remotely opened up for you in terms of hobbies and things outside your career? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, wonderful question. Um, so if you take a peek at my desk or, or at the, the area where I work in the other room, you'll see there is a yoga mat on the floor. Ah. I'm not a yoga teacher, I have my, my yoga skills are pretty, pretty ridiculous, but I like to be flexible in terms of 
what I do for, for my health, let's say like that. So I can, I can meditate whenever I want. I can, I can do a little yoga uh, uh, routine whenever I feel the need for it. I can take walks. And, and so it's, it's a lot about being flexible and having a, a good pace, actually. No perfect time to do things like that when you're mm. trying to stay at home anyway. Mm -hmm. So, and I know we can talk about yoga for, or what we want to do outside <laughs> working remotely for many, many hours, but. I just wanted to wrap up and say um, thank you so much for giving us your time, giving Remoter Project your participation and sharing your maybe unconventional story mm -hmm. of Four Nova's history, you know, not scaling, keeping things tight knit and close, not using Slack. Mm -hmm. that, I mean, I think people, I think that would be an interesting perspective to hear. So before we end off for the episode, I just wanted to ask you a question that I've been asking, you know, every interviewee that I've talked to. And that is, if you think your company's or your story, your mission and your company's values will encourage listeners or hopefully more leaders, more decision makers to make this transition to this remote world. I hope so. I, and, and I think so, because the advantages I hope are apparent or have been apparent in, in our conversation. Um, and I think it's, it, it has so much potential for people, especially for companies also, for organizations, but especially for people. Um, maybe one last thing, one, one aspect of why we made that switch that we haven't talked about. When we try to hire new people, it's pretty difficult because in terms of technology, we are, we're desktop developing, right? So this is really rare. You don't find somebody in Stuttgart or in Berlin you really have to have a, a bigger net, a bigger audience. So this is one thing. And we're picky in terms of, of cultural fit. This, this whole remote thing opens your, your company, your team up to people from all over the world that might be a wonderful fit for you in terms of their personality, of how they look at life and at work. You have that option um, and, and can grow a team like that. That's wonderful. Promoter Podcast Season 2 is recorded, produced, and edited by Josephine C. It is mixed and mastered by Steven Stepanik and Vanessa Monroy. Graphics and visuals by Valentina Castillo. The music track used is Skip by Old Boy from Soundstripe. Follow and subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Don't forget, we've recently made our founding and growing remotely online course completely accessible and listed on our site. Visit us at remoter.com, that's R-E-M-O-T-E-R.com for more relevant content. Follow us on social media at Remoter Project to stay up to date with our latest initiatives and collaborations with other remote first companies around the world. We'd also love to hear your thoughts about each episode, so feel free to tag us on socials anytime. And remember, we're here to make work fulfilling. So what part will you play in shaping the future of work? <laughs>